Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTE GA podcast. Mikey Saffron, Rory O'Neill with you. And we're joined by Pat Spillane and our own Niall McCoy to get back on the Allianz Football League weekend. How was everybody? Very good, Hi, Mike. All good, Mikey. Pat, have you dried out? I, I, I tell you this now. It was <laughs> it was the greatest wetting I ever had. Now, I, it was worse than I, the one a couple of weeks ago, Pat. It was actually, believe it or not, <laughs> it, it was worse. If, if it could be worse than the double match, it actually was because this on this occasion, the wind was coming from the east. So while the rain wasn't driving into your face, when you put up the umbrellas, we could have we could have done Mary Poppins sequel <laughs> because we could have drifted out over the chimney tops of of, of Tralee. It was oh, it was it was it was wetting. I ca- I got home after eleven o'clock. I threw off a complete load of wet clothes. I had to have a shower and going to. So anyway, it was. Now it was a good. You know, I, I, it was actually. For those watching it on television, and I read a few comments after, and comment pieces, and oh, a terrible game of football or whatever like that. But to be quite honest, you really had to be at the game to really get the game. Because first of all, as Rory knows, Tralee on a Saturday night with a full house, there's a brilliant atmosphere. Great Absolutely atmosphere. brilliant atmosphere. Fabulous. Now, the, the weather conditions, of course the football wasn't top quality football, but the weather conditions, the ground was an ice rink, the ball was a bar of soap, the wind was, was blowing from the east, but sometimes it was the southeast, was swirling. It, there was a yellow rain warning, and it was sheets of rain. And you know what makes it? There's two other issues there. One, the floodlights in Tralee, as Rory knows, Adam, they're, they're, the, they're not great. They're not the best. They're, they're one of the it always looks a bit moody down there, all right. Yeah. And the television sort of, but the other thing, which is very interesting, I thought it was very difficult. When there's a color clash, both teams have to change colors. Now, I can't understand why Kerry couldn't have used their homes, but the problem was that both sets of jerseys in the rain and the wind on Saturday night. They looked quite similar, not mm. so much on television, but they looked quite similar. But to be quite honest, like the game was topsy-turvy, it was full of excitement, it was a roller coaster. But if you asked, if you asked the crowd at the end of the game, lads, we'll play another half an hour. Will he stay on? I'll tell you this, they'd have all stayed on. And that's yeah. sometimes you, you know, it's what you ask, it's you know, different strokes for different folks, it's subjective. But I'll tell you this, it was a damn entertaining game of football, an enjoyable game of football, a roller coaster ride. And I tell you this, the crowd lapped it up. Yeah. Roy, you see this thing behind me here? You got me this, this pop-up thing. I'm thinking, four of these with a little roof on it. And, uh, you know, that might work for the lads. I think, I think we're going to have to buy an RT Sport gazebo or something. Because then... <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult balance to strike in terms of being at the... You see, if you're not at the venue, you do lose something. Yeah. Um, you're trying to analyze and take in a match. Let's say you're sat in a sterile, slightly distant studio in Dublin. You don't really get a sense of the occasion. Like Pat gave us a fantastic scene setter there and a great synopsis. But the reason he was able to do that was because he was, was there. He, w- he wouldn't have been able to do that if he was sat in a studio in Dublin. And that's, that, that does bring something to a live broadcast, whether we like it or not. The problem is, and I don't mean this in a majorly critical way, but like the venues, and this isn't just Kerry, this is all over the country. I mean, 
there, there, there's nowhere to go. You, you know, there aren't places you can build studios. And even if there are, you're into massive costs. Like I'm talking, mm. you know, eye-watering stuff. If people knew the costs involved in building TV gantries and studios and look, you're trying to run things and within budgets and you've got to be mindful of, you know, what your spend is obviously looking ahead to Sunday game. And you, like this is the chances that you can take other years. Mm. You might get, you mightn't be so unlucky and you might have good weather. I mean, I'll give you an example. I'm looking ahead there already this morning to next weekend, right? Now, one of the big games next weekend is Louth versus Antrim in Division 3 because it's effectively a table topper. And I'd imagine whoever wins will probably be will probably be promoted. So it's a big game. But the match is in an RD, right? Which is in a it's it's a club ground in RD. There's stanchions in the way where the cameras go. There's the pitch, the the the, the pit, the cameras themselves are nearly at pitch level. You know, the, like, I mean, there are grounds, I, I would say my club ground here have better facilities and we're not, we're only an intermediate club. So like, this is the, the, the battle you're fighting all of the time in terms of GA grounds up and down the country. They're they should not it. equipped. They should they're, not equipped. they're not equipped. Park. They're not equipped. They're not equipped for TV. Mm-hmm. There's a couple that are, there's obviously Parky Cueve, Killarney's good. Um, a fantastic one which doesn't get a huge amount of games is actually Tullamore, O'Connor Park and Tullamore. They've actually a TV studio there. Um, there's a there and there's there, there is there's a semi-permanent one in Thurless as well. But after that, it's build, 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 and that's as we know it then equals cost. The only thing is Rory, do you know, do you know when I was watching Don Linhan and he was doing a, a piece for the news <laughs> on on Friday night in the rain in in, in at Twickenham? Do you know I was I was, I was jealous of him because do you know what he had? He had a beautiful RT Sport Jack Wolfskin coat. I said, yeah. I'd love to get one of those. But would, would you maybe the GA fellas? Maybe we might get a yeah. coat. Looks, looks like, like we're it's going an to amateur need... game, Pat. All right, looks like, yeah, it looks like we're going to need it anyway, Pat. The way things are going. So I think you have to balance up the the cost of building a studio versus whether all your guests have health insurance or not. That's yeah. probably where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, Niall, uh, we'll we'll start. We'll go back to Division Two for a start. I think uh, just have a look back at the games. Um, we will discuss the GP, the brewing GPA GA row uh, towards the end of end of the podcast. By the way, but we we talk about the football first. Um, Ross Common and Derry. Now we mentioned here that it would be a good test of Derry's early season form. They're coming up against a a properly grizzled team in Ross Common in their home ground, and we were that was pretty prescient of us because <laughs> certainly grizzled would be one word oh, for yeah. eighteen cards, um, a draw in the end. But I I I feel Derry. Can feel very hard done by that. Like the game ended with a forty-five yard free, which Shane McGuigan could probably have put over with his weaker foot, and uh, he but he'd been red carded, shown a second yellow card for basically being held on the ground, which we've yeah, seen it's, before. It's so frustrating. Yeah, and the, the first yellow as well was bewildering. And Shane on the football pitch on the hurling pitch, he's generally a calm enough fella, and you saw the reaction when he was sent off. He, you said it there. He, he would have put that free over in his sleep, you know. It would have been two points off the road. It's still a big point for Derry. Um, whereas Common started that second half, they swung over two lovely scores and it looked like the game was just getting away from them, even though they had the strong breeze. But the fall back well, um, Galway coming next week. The fact they got a point out of that match will be massive. If it had been a free that would have been to level a match, I think Shane probably would have went even more a pop elected. But the uh Derry, Derry are excellent side. We spoke about this before, Mikey, and you know they're a big side. Rory has them playing really, really well. They're 
And that Roscommon team, I watched them the last round dominate and bully um, down around midfield in particular. Um, and to see Derry sort of, Conor Glass, obviously, Emmett Bradley, big men in the middle. This is a Derry team. I, I genuinely think have a great chance of winning Ulster. I genuinely feel they're, a, they're going to Division 1. If not this year, definitely the next year. Um, beat Galway, big game next weekend. Yep. I, I, I see Derry going up. But the, the red card... Listen, I don't know. You could talk about it all day. I don't know how to see that. And to be fair, referee, I think that second yellow, it looks like it comes on the advice of his uh, his linesman rather than him because he didn't seem interested in giving the yellow when he's walking away, but he gets obviously gets told. But it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And Colin alluded to it like, you know, there's absolutely no reason why Shane would try and drag him down where he's trying to join the attack. Um, it's just really frustrating for Derry because it would have been a win. And, he, and and the and the resulting free, you had a Roscommon player, yeah. you know, dancing yeah. in front of the free taker, encroaching in a pot, yeah. in front of him. I felt that should have been moved forward. But, I mean, he, it was he, dancing, he, he was jumping, Rory, like he, he was getting some height, like three you or know, four times, like it was but, fairly fairly obvious what he was doing, like it no, wasn't yeah. like a subtle one. I, I so. do, I, I like we were watching it, and. It was a touchy game now, yeah. Niall, you know, and it was, it was, there was an awful lot of niggle in it. And I think there was a sense for me that the ref just said, through no fault of his own, look at the two teams don't enter it into spirit. This is what, it's, it's kind of the game that Roscommon play. Roscommon are mm. really aggressive, like in general. So, but I felt that um, the, the, yeah, it just kind of got a sense that he maybe lost a small bit of control, certainly towards the back end. And I think there was a sense of, I'm just going to get this free over with, blow the whistle and get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, you'd, you know, in a way, though, you would have sympathy for the referee because you're right about Roscommon. Roscommon love to make it a dogfight. They love yeah. that game of attrition and they are warriors in that. That, that is their, that trench warfare type football, they are masters at it. And in those circumstances, to ref that type of game is, is, is almost an impossibility. And it was only when you highlighted, say, the Shane McGuigan, the yellow card, the two, his two yellow cards, that you really had to focus in. And was it a, was it a yellow card, wasn't it? On, on, in, on initial viewing, you said, hmm, it is. And then when you look at it again, you said, oh, actually, it isn't. So, in a way, uh, I really did feel sorry for the referee. But, you know, in, in the conditions that were at the weekend, with so much spilled ball, so much physicality, it was a very difficult game. And I looked at the Tyrone Dublin game when we talk about referee, uh, and most of the calls were right. But I, I looked at one incident. I looked at Michael McKiernan, and he hit Brian Finton with a dirty, sneaky punch. That should have been a red card straight off. I think, I think yellow... it would have been a red if it wasn't so soon after Hamsties, oh, maybe. But that's the problem, isn't it? That when having initially sent off Hamsties, the referees tend to subconsciously or whatever like that. They can't send two off. They can't send two off. But I mean, if if anyone was to be sent off, it was Michael McKeown. So look, getting back to Roscommon and Derry, yeah, Roscommon are the are the look are the ultimate Division Two team. They will always be there or thereabouts at the top of Division 2. Derry, there's no doubt about it. I agree with Niall. They, they take an awful lot of boxes. They have that athleticism. They have that physicality. They're transitioning quicker. They're playing more front football. If there is an issue, if there is a problem, and it will be found out when you go to bigger levels, I think they're too dependent on Shane McGuigan to provide the bulk of the scores. I don't think... I mean, Shane got eight out of... Eight. Eight out of 12 yesterday, five from freeze. Uh, 
I don't think his other five, there's enough of a consistent score getters in the other five. So look, when you come up against the big teams, whether it's the Tyrones or the Manons or the Donegals in an Ulster championship or getting to an All-Ireland semi-final, Shane will need more support. Yeah, and it's true when you look across the scores in the Roscommon team, it's more balanced because they, they do, like we talk about how... um you know, kind of nitty gritty they are, but like they do have some wonderful forwards and like it is a good, there's a good spread there. Connor Cox seems to be in form. I, I don't want to focus too much on discipline, Pat, but I, I'm curious because the Shane McGuigan sending off is an example of, you know, seems to be a forward doing his living best to escape, you know, some cynical play, which is, it is, you know, anything off the ball is viewed dimly by referees. Now, I'm just thinking back to when you were playing when, a forward or a skillful player, shall we say, will had far more leeway to defend himself um, and probably wouldn't have found himself in that situation. May have found himself with a broken nose, but probably would have stayed on the field. Um, so the modern game, there's a little, there's a bit, a little bit of give and take here, really, isn't there? And it's hard well, to get the consistency. Well, we don't want to hop back to all the time, but I mean, Shane McGuigan wouldn't have made even that run. <laughs> in the older days because his jersey would have been so well held that that guy would be still stuck inside in the Derry full forward line uh, and secondly you're right I mean nowadays with so many officials and they're watching everything I mean you don't get away with anything now which is great which is probably uh, the problem is that there are so many rules for the referee to implement that his workload is so 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 huge and I do feel sorry for it because I know every night that we're on league Sunday or doing a Sunday game and there's instances of yellow cards and red cards. And we really have to rerun the piece one, two, three, four times before we can make a definitive decision. And even and at then, that, and, we're and still then not Pat, sure. And Pat, and then you have to figure out, well, is that this year's rule now or has that rule <laughs> been changed to that rule? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rory, it's just a small tip, but like just talking about the, the Roscommon forwards and the Smith scored. Keen McKeown scored, Donny Smith got four, Connor Cox got two. Um, but there's still no place in the starting lineup for this guy, Cahill Heenahan, who every time he comes onto the pitch seems to get a ludicrous score. He was brilliant in the um he was brilliant in the in the Sigerson for, for NUIG as well. He just he seems to be a great option for Roscommon off the bench. Yeah, and it, like I, I suppose if you're the as like as you mentioned there, they do have a good spread of scores up front. He he's certainly somebody with a lot of potential. I think a big worry was they brought him on at, just after half time. They got they went eleven five up after forty six minutes, and obviously he played the rest of the rest of the game. But I don't think they scored from the forty sixth minute the whole way up until the equalising score. Mm. Right up until the, so they, I think they went something like twenty two minutes in the second half without a score so I suppose look that's kind of the more the worry from a Roscommon perspective but look at the same time I was looking at scoring rates across the board and this goes back to Pat's point earlier on and it's just the game the way the games are being played at the minute and the conditions that they're in it's very hard to be too critical of forwards at the moment because I mean it was even looking at Kildare like Kildare's scores there at the minute 10 points 1-9 points and you're saying to yourself, is that going to be good enough to win championship matches? Because generally speaking, what you're looking at for a championship game, 116, 117, 215, that's kind of the scoreline that you need. But it's very difficult to rack these those types of scores up when the matches are being played week after week in the middle of hurricanes, you know? And I think it's just, a, it, the whole thing is asterisked, I think, with the weather at the minute. 
And unfortunately, we're not really getting a proper gauge on players like Colleen Hinn and these types of players to get a really fair glimpse. Like, I think the big thing, and we can get onto it in a minute, from my, from my perspective, looking at Kerry again on Saturday in, and, show, and showing the kind of fighting battle that they did to dig, a, dig one out. I mean, what are they going to be like when the ground does harden up? It's a pretty scary prospect for everybody. But I think, yeah, I just think the weather has a huge uh, yeah, bearing. You're right, Rory, it, because you know? when you look at the stat, I mean, the weather conditions are absolutely horrific. Yeah. And and the GA did dodge a bullet this weekend that matches weren't called off, which was yeah. a really created an issue. But when you see games, when you see Kerry comfortably beating Dublin in Tralee, yet only scoring one point in the second half. You know, that's not a real, that's not a, yeah. uh, when you see Dublin comfortably beating Tyrone yesterday, scoring two points in the second half. I mean, the weather conditions, and I, I saw somebody say, oh, we're playing David, somebody criticised Kerry for, they have David Clifford, the star full forward, he's inside, Sandy on the full forward line, and in the second half, Kerry don't kick the ball into him. Kerry couldn't kick the ball into him, because one, there was a blanket defence, but most importantly, the wind was so strong, you just couldn't kick the ball more than 20, 25 metres, so you're right, it's crazy, it's crazy conditions, but you know what, sometimes in the Sunday game, and in League Sunday, and here on the podcast, we're we're accused of, of focusing on the strong teams, but hell, we've just given top billing to the team turned in Division Two. Russ Common, well done. Well, wait for us. <laughs> wait where we're going next, Pat. Wait where we're going next, because uh, uh, Niall can can uh, can Cork and Mead blame it all on the weatherman? Is that it? So once we get hard ground and the wind goes away, Cork and Mead are going to start looking like the uh, like the uh, like the powers of old. <laughs> Down hopping a bit, yes. Uh, um, I took in most of the first half at Cork and Mead and I was just shocked by how bad Cork were um, especially having the breeze in the first half I thought Mead actually in the first half played pretty some decent football at least looked like they had a bit of structure and a plan about how they wanted to play in the conditions whereas Cork there just seemed to be a disconnect between you know coming out of defence and inside line like there didn't seem to be any sort of link play in, in that half forward area at all to get the ball up to inside line in, in those sort of conditions it's very worrying for Cork um, I, I really really thought they were really really poor and um, I think they've down next at home which is obviously massive now both sides are, are fighting for their lives at this stage and it's the biggest really... game they'll play this year now yeah, it is. It is. And I think I remember a few years ago, Down went down there with low expectations and, and nabbed the point to stay up. I think it might have been Derry that went down to Division 3. It could be wrong on that. So, listen, they went down in similar circumstances a couple of years ago, but it's really tough times for them. Harry Hogan, five first half points. I thought he was, I don't know what the goalkeeping scoring record is, but I thought he was on for some sort of record the way he played in that first he half. He missed a uh, few in the second half. Yeah, right. he missed one just at the end of the first well, half. I think it might have been a 45. He might have dragged and then... Considering um, he's about for, the 15th person to play in goal for me yeah. in the last two yeah. seasons, it's <laughs> even more impressive. Yeah. Yeah, could, well, we, could we allow Rory another minute or two to Morden Cox? <laughs> I'd like uh, to hear it. I'd put on my sad face. <laughs> I'm just giving them. I'm just giving them motivation to beat down next weekend. That's all it is, Rory. Uh, Do you know, no, they're like, not in a good place. I can't. Yeah, they're not in a good place, and there's no point in pretending otherwise. Do you know, I know Joanne pulled up a uh, 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 column last night because Column described Cox's performance as pathetic. And I, I just remember the week before, two weeks previous against Derry, my word for them was brutal. Uh, and you know, I've never seen such a disorganised shambles of a team at that level of football, Division Two, because as Niall said, there seems to be no 
plan there at all. There's no transitioning between defence and attack. This is a group of individuals playing. Uh, I mean, I just look at the, the... When you think, you go through the four divisions and Cork have the worst scoring d- difference of all, in all four, minus 31. I mean, that's... Which, could, which actually could be crucial in the end of it all, Pat. That could come back to bite them too, the scoring difference. And like, do you know, Keith Ricken is probably getting, I think he's getting, he's, he talks a very good game and he is, he's, he's talked about the long-term project and whatever like that. Uh, and it just goes to show the level of, of doom and gloom in Cork, that people are quite happy to listen to listen to him talking about. Oh, well, we'll be, it'll be a long-term project. I mean, if he was telling that story in Kerry, he'd be gone out the door before before the Munster Championship. But look, he has some talented players. But look, this is a, a, there's a big difference between having talented under 17s and talented under 20s and bringing them onto senior level. And and I look at the standard of club football in Cork, and, and with all due respects, the standard of the club championship in Cork is is quite poor. Yeah. Rory, is there is there an element that, that Cork kind of play to the level of the team they're up against? Because that, the week the last time they were out, you know, three twenty two to two seventeen, they lost, fair enough, but it was they lost to Galway and they lost you know, they died with their boots on for whatever that's used worth and they obviously maybe Galway's defence well maybe Galway were working on some new defensive tactics or something. But then they go out against Meath who are kind of recognised as a fellow relegation struggler and they seem to just fail to ignite at all like like they haven't been consistently as bad as they were the other night but they it does seem to be becoming a bit of a habit no it, yeah that that is that that's absolutely fair the one thing i would say and it kind of ties in with pat's point in relation to the standard in the Cork club championship at the minute the personnel just aren't there it's a very very weak panel of players it's one of the weakest panel of players that i've seen assembled to put on a cork jersey for a long time um like you know, lacking a few leaders. Yeah, but there's you're no, right, there's, Rory. There, there isn't like I mean, your main scoring threat is Brian Hurley up front. You know, like he's around a long time. He's he's a, he's an honest lad. You know, is he a fella that's going to scare opposition defenders? I'm not entirely sure at this stage of his career. They don't. They're not working with you know a, a very deep or rich panel to pick from to begin with are they playing in a cohesive fashion absolutely not they're probably betwixt and between on that front as well and they're having to learn on the hoof and look the reality is they're at a really low ebb i think there's no point in denying it if you were to rank the munster teams now i would probably say cork or maybe fourth and that's yeah. that's as stark as it can be i mean i, yeah, I obviously claire are you know, ranked number two. Watford showed a bit of form against Wexford I, yesterday I, I, as well. But, so. but I also think that if Limerick played Cork tomorrow in the championship, I would give Limerick a really, really good chance of turning Cork over. And that that's just the reality. Why, Rory, has that, Rory, why has that happened in a county with 260 clubs? That's probably a discussion that you would need maybe a podcast series for. <laughs> you know? but Rory, <laughs> Rory, but Rory, you, you refer to something very important. You talk about leadership and it's, it's accepted this is a cock team in transition. But when, in, when a team is in transition, you, you just cannot change the model overnight and bring in 15 new fellas or 12. And I felt Rickon made a huge mistake in not holding on to the likes of the two whites in Clannacilty, mm, Rory, Rory Dean, Dean, Mark Collins, uh, Ma- Michael Hurley. 
these lads, Luke Connolly, these lads are amongst the top. Are, are these are those fellas I mentioned? Are they in the top fifteen footballers in Cork even still? Yes, they are. So I mean, when you transition, you need that hardcore of of senior players with experience to bring a team along. I mean, with with the lads he's given, he's given senior debuts to this year it's sink or swim and unfortunately a lot of them are sinking because it's you discovered that they're not that standard yeah. whereas you could bring those lads along if they had experienced guys with them that can coax and cajole and advise and provide that leadership and that leadership is lacking now that experience mm. is lacking in that cock team they're never it, it it's rarely a team on the national consciousness shall we say uh nile because they're always overshadowed and they're by their hurling brethren and they're you know not the best supported football team in the country but like you know that's that's putting it diplomatically yeah. <laughs> I, i'm the editor of the national sports website and i honestly i don't recognize the vast majority of the names in that court team yeah. as pat says it is a complete overhaul and outside of the midfield and brian hurley i'm saying and michael martin's son i'm like i don't know these guys this is yeah. this is just a this is a new team a, a team of in intercounty uh terms kind of nobodies midfielder and a top mcguire really battled you know yes uh it didn't all come off from uh, i think he was unfortunately picked out in a few clips on the sunday game but i think uh colin said we're we're being harsh on him here but i thought he really battled but at that point there like if you are going to overhaul a whole team you have to keep a few experienced heads just to ease the transition like because when you have a whole team learning like you know um it's really really difficult and you need those boys that have been there and done that and well done some things that they can learn of and sort of take that experience from because they do look like an inexperienced county team at the moment do look like they get uh engulfed handy enough and not so much panicky but they look like they're Again, uh, Mead weren't brilliant yesterday, but again, I thought in that first half against the Admins, it was far too easy. Uh, you know, they looked like a, a county team that at least knew what they needed to do, where Cork were, uh, you know, I don't want to be too harsh, like, but they did. I thought they were all over the show in that first half. I really did. When, you know, and I've already talked about the sort of, and Pat talked about transition, like, they just looked like they didn't know what they were doing at times. And, you know, they had, they had the halftime chin wag there on the pitch, and, you know, the, it was always going to be difficult against the breeze in the second half, like, but it's, uh, I've had, uh, yeah, yeah. I've had a few injuries. I mean, you probably were, if you were, if everybody was fit, you may have, you've half your defense coming back in Sean, me and Daniel O'Mahony and Sean Potter. But again, that's another question. Why are these guys always injured? You know, like, I mean, there's a full-time strength and conditioning person in Cork now, full-time, you know, what's going on? Why are, what, like, are, are like, Okay, look, injuries are part and parcel of the game you pick them. But Cork do seem to pick up more than, you know, they, 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 it's, a, it's a particular affliction that seems to be something that they have to deal with. Maybe more than other counties. Maybe it's just they're just more unlucky. I don't know. But, do you know I'm, what? I, I, I'm, uh, Mikey, I'm feeling a bit like Joe Duffy on Live Life, listening, <laughs> listening to, the, to the saddest story that I've ever put on air. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, uh, going, I'm, going to, I'm going to break down those <laughs> Just, well, just yeah. on your Hurley your point, Rory, like you said, what he's scared opposition. If you put him in a, a more structured team, a team more, I still think he, he would bring so much. Like if you put him in a, a Division One team, I still think he would he would yeah, have the part. Like, think, you know, I think he's but, a victim but, yeah. of the circumstance there a bit. And he's up there and he's having to lead the attack. I think Brian Hurley for me is the kind of is the kind of inside forward that feeds off somebody that's a sort of a more of a target man that would actually benefit if he had 
a sort of a better kind of a full forward in alongside of him and you play it as a two, you know, I think he'd work better in a partnership and he's up there having to lead it on his own. I don't think he's as effective. Yeah. Um, a word on, uh, now they're not safe yet by any means, Pat Meath, because if you look at it, they've got, uh, they got Claire away, uh, who are on the same number of points with, and then they've got Derry at home, and at Derry home, are yeah. more than likely going to be looking at a, a final place in promotion in their last game. And uh, let's be honest, they're better team than Mead. So uh, I don't, I don't think it's time to be clapping backs yet in Mead by any means. I think anybody from Clare down is still potentially in danger, even if Cork and Down do look to be circling the uh, the plug hole at the moment. I think Mead will do enough. Uh, I think Mead will beat Clare next Sunday. I think Clare have been. I think they're punching just above their weight. They're at that level. They're, they're very well organised defensively. They're always tough to beat in 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 in, in although they got a bad hammering from Terry. I just think ah, that's, they're predictable. They're just, there's no influx of new fresh blood. Uh, their build-up play is very slow. And they really don't carry a huge attacking threat. Cleary, uh, Sexton, yeah. So, look, meet, especially with Brian Minton back, I just think me. I, I saw enough in me just the albeit against Cork that they're progressing, they're getting there. And uh, will be Meetle win this weekend, and that'll make them safe. They won't need to go to Derry looking for points. Yeah, and then just to, uh, Rory mentioned I mentioned for Galway, who obviously have their their two closest rivals left to play. They've kind of they've got up ahead of steam now, but obviously they they have to face Roscommon and Derry. And mm-hmm. as I alluded to earlier, there's no questions around that Galway attack. But as under Porig Joyce, if there's any questions about that team, it's it's kind of in the back six, isn't it? Yeah, but I think there, I think there's like there's a real confidence about Galway at the minute. Um, I think, as from my recollection, are they the only team in the country with a hundred percent record? Correct. Are they five Correct. from five? Correct. Correct. So you know, I think they have an opportunity next weekend to go up to Derry. They'll see that as a really good test. They'll probably see both team. Both teams will probably feel that they're kind of Division One in waiting. Yeah. And I think they'll, I, I would actually fancy Galway to go up and win that, cement their Division 1 status for the year, and then get ready for Mayo on the 24th of April. I think they're absolutely flying it. I think Keane O'Neill, in fairness, seems to have had a good effect on them. Uh, okay, they, you know, they, they, they might, you know, leak. They might, they might have a little bit of leakage at the back, but... They only conceded 1-5 at the weekend, may I say. I'm just thinking more back to the court game. Again, again played in Ennis. So God knows what way that win was like. Rory, that'll be very interesting because say, and I think think Galway will beat uh, Derry next week because I I look at Galway's team and, and yes... Defensively, they can be opened up, but at least this weekend they were more solid. But you you pick out players like Shane Walsh and you pick out players like John Kelly, they'd be on any team in the country. They're class acts. But the one question mark, I just wonder, say they beat Derry next week, which I think they will, what sort of, they're automatically promoted. Mm-hmm. What sort of a team will they play it in if they win against Roscommon? which could have a huge bearing on the second team to get promoted because will Galway be happy with promotion and then focus on, on, on building up for Mayo? Just an interesting question. Yeah, Actually, well, it is, a, it is as well, Pat, given that they're on opposite sides of the draw in Connacht. You know? Yes, actually, when you're talking about, and, and that's an interesting thing, so, I mean, could they pick out, like, they, they are quite within their rights to put out a weakened team against Roscommon, which would be very unfair. I, I'm, it's only hypothetical. But actually, in fact, I was just looking to the last round, and normally, do you know the way in leagues, in, in any sport, that the last day every team plays at the same time? There's an interesting scenario on the last day in Division 4. 
where three games are on the Sunday. I know, London. But Cavan and London, oh, sorry, Tipperary Tip. and London are playing on the Saturday. Now, mm. that's, that's, not that's not right. That's not no. fair. The four teams should be playing at the same time on they, the Sunday. They have said, though, Pat, because I've actually queried that have one. Yeah. Um, what they've said, what they said, because the issue for flights on Saturday. Well, 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 well there's, there's and they won't tell things. anyone the result. Yeah, there's a couple <laughs> of things with it. What, what they've said, you see, we need to figure out on in relation to that because that yeah, that's, that 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 Saturday is potentially a double header of hurling league semi-finals, and I was just trying to figure out where it would be played, and I was kind of half thinking it would be Thurles. Then, of course, I looked and I saw Tipperary versus London is fixed for Thurles at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. So, so that creates an issue. So I just asked the question, and the question, and the answer that came back was, um, should London still be in the promotion? Should, should London still be in the ah, promotion yeah. shake-up? It will be shifted to the Sunday. Ah, that's not but fair. It, that's yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> odd though, because usually they want to play early in the day to get the last flight out of knock. And now they're they're playing they're playing at seven in the evening instead of two in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, they played at twelve o'clock yesterday. Knocked yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's um, that's an interesting one. Okay, I'd say I'd say knees up in Dublin there now. I'd say if you hit coppers now on that Saturday night, you could run into a few London. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the it's the end of league season holiday, <laughs> and who who begrudge them? Um, okay, we'll move on to Division One. So and um, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll start with the disciplinary stuff again, Pat. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay my cards on the table and say. Porrick Hamsey, anybody who's arguing about Porrick Hamsey getting a second yellow for what he did to uh, Cormac Oslo is an idiot. Because it was like Cormac Oslo may, may have gone down a bit easily. But yeah. why is Porrick Hamsey doing that? The, the, Tyrone just seemed a bit too fired up yesterday. It was part of the reason for their downfall, I think. I, I thought there were, yeah. First of all, I mean, um, Tyrone looked leggy yesterday. Uh, and what, uh, you know, it asked the question, begs the question, were they worse yesterday than they were in Killarney? I'm not too sure, but it's a close one thing. But <laughs> they were so they were so off the pace yesterday, I, I couldn't believe it. And yes, you're right, they were a little bit edgy. They were in the face and they were knocking. They were going, uh, look, the Padre Campsie thing, you can say, yeah, maybe Carmel Costello, but that's not the issue. That was a stupid, stupid shoulder charge to a guy off the field, just this old macho showing who's boss and whatever like that, laying down a marker. Second yellow card, deserved, sending off, deserved, but Michael McKeown should have followed him a couple of minutes later for that even more sneaky or dirty punch into the side of, of Brian Finton. Yeah, and then, Niall, there was, they, they, were, they were denied a goal because of a late hit on Evan Comerford, which wasn't dirty by any means, and probably, I can't remember who did it now, but he couldn't have stopped Frank, in mid-air. Frank, Frank, Frank Burns, Frank Burns, Frank Burns. Frank Burns. that Frank was And it was yeah. a late hit, and it was a deserved free out. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was a free out, and the yep. strange thing was, uh, Comerford had already fisted away. So if he hadn't made contact, I think it was the goal would have stood. Mm. Yeah, yeah. would have stood. Um, yeah, uh, listen, it's, it's, Trone just weren't at themselves, and uh, you know even Fergal Logan was agitated on the line. Too. Yeah, you know he's so calm, Fergal. Like so, I, I don't know. As Pat says maybe they're pumped up, and they have lost. You know the lost Lee Brennan there, Lee Brennan off the panel there during the week as well. And, they're losing those players from 16 to 25. It's not the boys on the edge of the panel. It's those second-tier boys that yeah. keep the standards high at training, are able to slot yeah. in. Uh, like, Potter McNulty came in there against, I can't remember what the match was, Kildare, and then uh, he, he broke his arm, you know, and that's another boy out as well. And there's just a bit yeah. of depth issues there. They've lost, like, to Ron O'Neill, Hugh Pat McGeary, players that could slot in, and players that I'm sure have done a lot of Tiernan McCann, the biggest Tiernan one. Mc of course, of course, boys that have been, you know, they've been 
got plenty of minutes over the years yeah. and even uh, even more important what to do at training like you know and um, those in-house matches and all these boys are, are bringing the standard high so they've just uh, you know the thing about throwing people will probably point to last year's league and how power they look but I do think it feels a wee touch different this year and mm. um, like Dublin cut through them with ease yeah so like you know and, yeah. and they really hit form and thrown just couldn't get the attack and play couldn't get McCurry into the game they just weren't at themselves like and they're, they're in relegation bother now you know mm. they have two big games coming up against two teams yeah. at the top end of the table so Mayo and Kerry that's, yeah. not, an easy, that's not an easy that's way to finish your, finish your campaign you know? yeah. what a script Kerry could be sending Tyrone to Division 2 yeah. yeah, they have a tendency Mikey I was looking at this last night. It was just something that kind of stuck stuck in my head. They're, 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 look, obviously, it's, it's an older tradition, but if you look back at their All-Ireland wins in 03, 05, 08, there was a tendency. Tyrone had a tendency... Stink up the next year. To, ...to kind of take the following year off. And I'm just wondering, yeah. has that tradition kind of come back a little bit in that, you know, like if you even look back, I mean, I think there was one year where the All-Ireland champions they were knocked out by Leash in a qualifier. There was another year, you know, where Cork beat them with 40 yeah, men, yeah. I think in 09 in the semi, and that like yeah. they just have a tendency. I think the year that they win one, the following year, there might be a little bit of a hangover and just a, a sort of a fall off that might have manifested itself in what we're seeing now. <laughs> I think the big worry from their point of view, excuse me, is if they do end up getting relegated, because look, it's long standing belief, and I think most people would accept. That if you're not playing in the top tier, your ability to yeah. go after the, the the big one becomes impaired. Ever, you know, and it can be uh, a much I'm, more difficult. You're task. right, Rory. I mean, I was looking at some of the stats from yesterday's game. They went in the first half twenty six minutes without scoring. They converted two out of five chances in the first half. I mean, that's abysmal. Their first score from play came in the fiftieth minute. It was like it was so everything was so untyrone like. Everything you 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 expect. They lost six of their own kickouts in the first half as well. Pat. Yeah, I mean, there was no energy. There was no high tempo. There was no intensity to their play. They just stood off the dubs. And the dubs, like like, do you remember? I mean, we were we, we were talking about them after the Kildare match, and we said if they had converted their goal scoring chances, the narrative would have been slightly completely different. But I remember yesterday when I saw the Dublin team on the screen. And you looked at their forward line, you said, half forward line, Scully, Bugler, uh, Howard, full forward line, uh, Kilkenny, Dean Rock, and... Costello. 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 And you're sad to say, this, this, this crowd hadn't going anywhere. The first half football, some of the football they played mm. yesterday in the first half, irrespective of how poor Tyrone, was, was front foot, it was beautiful football, lovely kicking game. I mean, eight different scorers scored from play mm. in the first half. They got no score from free. They played lovely football. So, as Mark Twain said, you know, reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated. They're, they're exactly. not gone away. They uh, haven't no, gone away, you know. I don't think any of us thought they were gone for the year. We did wonder about their league form. But Niall, you have to say, we've, we've been saying it for as long as he's been playing inter-county football. If Brian Fenton plays well, there's a very good chance Dublin will play well. And yesterday, especially in that first half, he was back to Brian Fenton of old. First, first class, you know, and he wasn't alone. And it was just, uh, you know, Pat mentioned it there, like, go back to even the Armagh match when Dublin were well off. It, their shooting was abysmal. They're still creating chances. And that's been the story in, in Newbridge ever. They've been creating chances and just having been taken on pot shots that we don't associate with Dublin. Uh, yes, it was sort of back to what we expect. You know, they were getting into good positions. They were running off the shoulder and yep. splitting the post at ease. You know, it was really old school Dublin. And say Fenton, listen, 
he's still probably the best about or right up there as well. And and when he's firing all cylinders, Dublin, yeah. they're not going anywhere. And James McCarthy back to the fold as well. So a, a good weekend for Dublin. Yeah, James McCarthy is huge. I know he only played the last eighty minutes in the game. Was well, that was as close as as Tyrone got. Really, yeah. Rory, we're, we're blaming it on on James McCarthy, but he's been named captain now. There's a good chance he'll start the next day, and um, like we can't. You, I know you're a huge fan of him. But you, you can't, you can't overstate his best importance. player. Best player, the best Gaelic footballer over the last ten years, without any doubt for me. Just consistent, nine out of ten performances. Yeah. So committed yeah. to the Dublin cause, a guy that you would follow into a furnace. You yeah. know, he's. I would say the first name on a team yeah. sheet every 100% every time he's just a gem. Yeah. He'll go down as one of the all-time greats in yeah. my view. And I think I'm delighted for him that he's been named captain. And I think it was a really smart move by Desi because I think it'll be a real rallying point within yeah. the dressing room as well. Um, because you like, if you're in that dressing room and James McCarthy is the leader, you're going to follow him. You're gonna you're you're gonna be you know he won't take any shite he won't take any mess. Yeah. The respect that he has for the traditions of Dublin football, the respect that he has for the jersey, it obviously runs deep. He's got his familial histories and everything else. He understands the you know the power of the jersey and what it means to play for Dublin probably more than anybody. The guy is just you know look he had a he obviously had a cranky yeah. end to 2020, uh, 2021. I'm sure he'll want to put that right. And I think, yeah, I think the dubs are back. And, um, you know, look, maybe there was a bit of rope at up going on by them in the early rounds of the league. I think, like, they've still got one or two more players to come back in. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think Colm O'Rourke made the point last night. You could see them winning their last two games. And all yeah. of a sudden, the whole yeah. complexion of the summer changes for everybody. Yeah. And, Pat, the, the, their next two opponents uh, p- played out what we won't call a classic in Bally Buffet. Uh, Monaghan ended Donegal's 12-year unbeaten run in Bally Buffet. And when you were watching Donegal playing yesterday, you think, how the hell did Donegal go 12 years unbeaten anywhere? Like, this was the clash of two. Like, this is the beauty of this year's league and the sheer inconsistency. And and if you're trying to go by forum, you watch Donegal, you watch Donegal down in Killarney and they were just abysmal. They were clueless, particularly when they played with the wind in the second half. They still, and I keep, I, I keep looking at this game, and Colm talked about it last night. This shot, it's like as if they're trying to weave pretty patterns. It's off the shoulders, uh, uh, short pop passes, but going nowhere a lot of the time. There's no penetration. To, so anyway, they were woeful down in, in Killarney against Kerry. Absolutely woeful. In the first half against Tyrone in the next round, they were poor as well. And then suddenly, hey presto, they beat Tyrone. So then you have Monon, who, if Donegal were bad against Kerry, believe me, Monon were even worse against Kerry in the last round. That I'd never seen in all my time. But well, they played without season. a goalkeeper, Pat. They did. And in fairness, <laughs> you know, people say, oh, do you know what? Do you know, it's gas the last program that podcast I said ah oh, this is one of those ones now there's nothing to talk about you know lads and I don't know how we got onto roving the, the sweeper keeper but it it got it got huge traction and actually just to get you know do you know the general just like 
the general gist about it was uh, like I know what's thrown at me. So I'm sitting here again in the kitchen, knowing that that by by in, in, by four hours time that I'll get abuse and all. And like the two general points that were were hurled at me were one, ah, oh, the game has changed. Like yeah. this fucking thing that the game has changed. Now somebody will tell me now that you can get money out of a hole in the wall and there's something called the internet. Well, hey, I know the game has changed, and I do accept the game is evolving, and I do see a role for us sweeper keeper absolutely but you know the main the main reason that and even Colin Sartre said it last night as well Asher is very entertaining uh, look if you want to get entertainment on a field you get bring in Coco the clown and he can provide some entertainment like it's a risky business when you and and you know what you know the gas part about it uh, people say oh geez Spillane spouting again and he, uh, he's stuck in the past or whatever do you know what I think Rory Began took our message on board because <laughs> certainly Rory Began yesterday confined himself to sweeping around his defence and he didn't stray beyond that halfway line. So anyway, look, man and yesterday, first half, geez, they were I really they really played great football. You know, uh, playing against the wind, their game management, their possession game is absolutely brilliant. Kieran Duffy was unbelievable from defence. Uh, you know, they are the best in the business at keeping possession. They mm. are the best and they are brilliant. They're very experienced. They're brilliant at keeping possession. But sometimes I see against the likes of Tyrone in the final last year that there's no penetration. There's, there's possession for possession's sake and they're not getting, they're not, no penetration to attack. They're not getting runners coming off the shoulder and they're not getting their shooters into position. But yes, there was a very, very impressive performance. And you know, that guy, Gary Mohan at Centrefield, like, I mean, he's like a guy you, you found up the mountain in, 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 in Manon. <laughs> like he's just a throwback to an old-fashioned swashbuckling, <laughs> strong, powerful midfielder and he was just simply brilliant yesterday a, a, a sort of younger version of a of a Michael Darren McCauley if the, you know, a human wrecking ball and he was just very good and Johnny God like I said I just see a team and I have it I've said it before I see a team there's no direction there's no shape there's no plan uh, I see a team that's been in decline for the last two years yeah it's it, it... Like you, Pat mentioned form there, Niall, and the form lines are very hard to see. But Donegal, they look, they look fierce, toothless, and Paddy McBearty looks a little bit lost up there with who's around him. And there's no like we all say, oh, Michael Murphy comes back, it'll be all fine. Michael Murphy, he came on after twenty eight minutes, and there was no discernible improvement. Oh, he got that first score from play. He got the score, and it's a lovely score too, and that. He came on and there was a mass reaction. You were thinking, right, here's the spark. Here we go. And he did when he kicked over the score. You're right, right. That's going to lift the rest of the team. But again, it was it was a pretty isolated moment. Uh, and they just sort of went, reverted to type after that. And to be honest, Monaghan should have won the match yep. by a lot more. The first five minutes, six minutes of the second half, they're they steamrolling them. Like uh, Mohan, yep. who was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I've seen him a few times for true in the club championship yep. and he... He's a joy to watch. Like he had a goal chance. Uh, I think Patton might have intercepted it. Like you know, so they could have had two goals at the start of second half. They could have won that match by five or six points more, and no one would argue. Donegal just seem a bit rudderless. They seem you know they don't know what they want to be yet, or they're relying on Murphy's inclusion to lift them. And you know, Michael's been around for a long time, and they're going to have to get used that he's not about pretty pretty soon. And we're seeing the injuries rack up a bit, which is to be expected at that stage of career for. A player that's had so many miles on the clock, and at the moment, they just don't seem to have, you know, something in place for his succession plan. And and Pat was right there as well. The first 
25 minutes until they got the goal against Throne. They, they were as bad as they were then in Kerry, and they were as bad as they were yesterday. Like, Throne were much the better side. So it's, it's very hard to figure Donegal out at the moment. And, and I have to say, Monaghan, I thought, were excellent. I thought they were really good. I thought Conor Boyle and Desi Ward, these players who maybe aren't grabbed the headlines, have been so, so solid and impressive for them. But Donegal, it's just hard to figure out. Like, in Armagh, they are first round in the championship, and... It wouldn't shock me one bit if Donegal beat them, but I still don't really, I still really don't get what Donegal's about at the moment. I can't really work them out. To be and then, and and Niall, they need to be careful about this kind of transition thing and this yeah. transition talk because transition can go on for ten years. We know all about that in Cork. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it can be a convenient stage of transition. I feel your pain, Rory. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. um, you mentioned Armagh there, Niall. Um, they they they're, they they've recovered from their mid-season slump and they got they got a good win in the Geezer Derby and um, if results go their way in the last two games they could make a league final which a lot of teams in Division One kind of shrug their shoulders at making a league final I I think for Armagh would be a huge thing it'd be a massive fillip for them it would be just give them the kind of confidence they need going into the Ulster Championship yeah it'd be huge it would be huge Armagh only won one league title back in two thousand and five. I, I, I feared from going into the match. Um, no Ashley, no Neil, no Connor Turbot, who is an outstanding talent. Uh, Daniel Flynn in top four. I actually thought Armagh were very, very comfortable throughout. Um, I know Kildare shooting was a wee bit off in the first half, but at no stage did I really feel panicked by Kildare. Um, Kieran Mackin has been a revelation for Armagh in midfield this year. And when word got around that he was going to start against Dublin in midfield, um, there was definitely a lot of raised eyebrows. Uh, he's the youngest of four county players between his older brother Connor's played for Armand, the two sisters Blackie and Amy obviously are big players for the ladies. But people were sort of wondering would Connor or Kieran be up that? He's been fantastic. He's been absolutely brilliant. Been Niall, real find for Armand. Niall, where did Charlie O? Where did Charlie O Burns play on Saturday night? It was very hard. I was kind of watching him. He played really well, but I was kind of figuring it's very difficult to figure out where he was actually playing. And the thing is, drifting from wing to wing too, Rory. He seemed to be in the right half back one minute, left half forward the, the next moment. He seems to have a pretty much a, a free brief. Uh, he played deeper to start him, deeper against Dublin, and he sort of played in that half back roving forward role. And yeah. um, just Charlie Oaks, he's having a good year, just takes the ball into contact. That's the only yeah. thing. He gets turned over quite a bit. If he get the ball away a bit sharp, he'd be, he, he's on, on route oh, to be he's a really top he's, he's still young. Player, like. Yeah, he's yeah. still very young as well. Like, um, thought he was good. I thought, you know, if Armagh had lost that for the start of the season they had, all of a sudden they'd be looking over their shoulders and there would have been a different complexion on their campaign. But that win just, you know, it, it leaves them safe. They have a free hit now against Kerry. There would yeah. be a huge crowd. There would be a huge crowd during Sunday. Um, can't remember last time Kerry there. I know Kieran Donaghy knocked out the goalkeeper, Philly McAvoy, with a shot that was so hard. I think he was knocked out. It was a brilliant team, but he had to be stretched at all. Well, so that's that must be oh god, seven years ago, maybe now. Um, but we hope he's not knocking out your keeper this week. He'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. The, speaking of keepers, there there does still seem to be an issue with Armand goalkeeping. Uh, last two games, uh, Kieran McGinney has opted for Ethan Rafferty, who's more noted outfielder. Um, Brian Cuse have been doing well. I thought I've been doing very well, to be honest with you, who also can play outfield for his club. So there still seems to be an issue with the goalkeeping, who they're going to land on. And I suppose there'll be interest. At this stage, I think he'll probably put his lot in with Ethan Rafferty. But uh, they've done well. They've done well. I was a bit disappointed with Kildare, to be honest with you. Um, I never thought they'd get in their stride. I never thought that. 
And yeah. again, I never thought Armagh were particularly troubled, but they're fairly comfortable trade. Yeah, Rory, so uh, Kildare now definitely looking over their shoulders. They've got Monaghan and Mayo left now, and you'd have to think if if the Dublin resurgence is real, uh, Kildare will struggle to stay up. But they need to win. They need to, they need like themselves and Monaghan, and like they need to win this game at the weekend. Um, it's 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 absolutely vital at this stage, and I think you know to go back down again after they've had some encouraging displays right throughout the campaign. They started really well against Kerry. They had a obviously should have beat they, they should have beaten Tyrone. I think that would have been yeah, one that, that was, they would have really yeah. kicked on from. I think that's one they they will feel they left after them, and obviously they had their big win against Dublin. I think Nile is spot on. I don't think they played well at all on Saturday night but again. You know, everything caveated with atrocious conditions. Yeah. I mean, atrocious now. It was horrendous stuff, like having to play football in. But, um, yeah, it would be a major, major, uh, particularly given all of the hype around the fact that Dublin could be relegated. If Dublin were to manage to stay up and Kildare ended up going down, it's just the sort of quandary that it would leave the Leinster Championship when we yeah. were just beginning to believe that we might have one. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we're back. We're back to uh, the blue wave again. But I think it's, uh, yeah, like they need to, like it's, it's a huge game now against Monaghan this weekend. I, I will reference again Wexford's big win over Waterford yesterday, Rory. I think you'll find the Leinster Championship is alive and kicking. It's alive and well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pat, before we go, I, I would need to get your opinion on. Well, will we have GA matches this weekend? Who knows? Maybe the G, maybe the GPA are gonna, you know, kind of down tools and become as militant as they've been since they've uh, since yeah. their inception. Really, it's um, it was almost grown unused yeah. to this, Pat. Yeah, it was interesting listening to Tom Parsons last night because there certainly that threat was issued last night. Look, down through the years, I I haven't been a supporter of the GP. I felt that their focus too often was on uh, generating revenue and commercial ventures. And maybe at times I felt that there wasn't a lack of a threat, uh, transparency about where all the money was going or whatever. Like but do you know what? I'm with them on this. I really, I'm with them on this. I, I see where they're coming from. Uh, and I, I think it, it all comes down to respect. This is about respect. Respect for the inter-county players. Giving them, giving them a fair expenses. Making sure their expenses are paid on time. Making sure, in these difficult times financially, making sure that they are not out of pocket. I think they deserve fair play. They need to be shown respect, and I think the GA needs to get their act together and heed the warning from Tom yeah. Parsons and the GPA. I really um, do. No, I, I'm I'm not torn in this. I, I completely I, I agree with Pat that um, first because the GA made an agreement and they said this is only for COVID. Yeah. So now that they're back to full gates, it's hard to argue it. And on the other hand, again, and this is almost playing devil's advocate. The idea that any inter-county team are doing more than four training sessions a week is kind of what makes people balk. I know it's irrelevant, but if the GAA do want to, if this is their attempt to taking a stance against the excessive training and excessive commitment of inter-county teams and demands of managers, this is the wrong way to go about it for a start. I don't think it's relevant, actually, Mikey. And I agree completely with Pat. There, it's you know, it's it's an open and shut case. The the players should get their expenses, you know. But this is a wider cultural thing in the GA where you know Tom, I think, said last night if if they're training two times a week or ten times a week, like what is being demanded of our players now? 
um, young players, inter-county players, where they're going to have to almost on a daily basis have some commitment to a county team. Like I think a young players being asked, obviously being asked to attend more than four days a week. So straight off the bat, over half a week's not enough. So on top of that, to have their lives, to have their jobs. Some, it's not easy for people to get out of work to go to train or go to matches. It doesn't always suit. On top of that, then they've got their club managers. And, you know, I've got, we have a county boy in our club, and he does his best to be at everything club-related. And that's on top of county commitments. And I'm wondering, how does that man have a life? You know, on top of that, like, how does he work? How does he enjoy himself? Go for a few pints. Obviously, he can't in the middle of the inter-county season. But there isn't a wider issue there of how teams need to be training six times a week. Well, I tell you this now, but 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 let's talk about welfare and player welfare. And I think, look, are we are we suggesting that there's Lula managers out there and Lula backroom teams that are flogging these intercounty players to death? They're not. Uh, the intercounty management setups in every at every county, uh, in terms of strength and conditioning, in terms of player welfare, in terms of looking after the players, they're absolutely brilliant. So there isn't going to be a case of they're going to be, oh, they're going to train seven nights a week for the next three months. You know, players nowadays are really well looked after. And if you're really, if you're really serious about uh, player welfare, well, maybe the GA need to look on itself and look at the fixture schedule that forces some of these players to play uh, in the last couple of months, playing three matches in the space of six and seven days. That's, that's more of a scandal than, than maybe a trainer, a manager sometimes looking for maybe to train five times one week and maybe two times next week. No, I think the players, in this case, I say I'm with the GPA, respect for the players, fair play for the players, let's treat them properly and, and heed to their demands. Well, we've seen, Pat, we've seen managers playing lads coming back from the Sigerson, like three days later being asked to play for the county teams as well. So I think it is a shared responsibility there. You're totally right. The players are being looked after. It makes sense to look after them. And I don't mean meeting up five or six times a week to do laps of the field like yeah. but i mean more a time constraint like whether that's video analysis or discussions or what i don't know what goes on inside a county dressing room but all we know is that four sessions and the gp are you know tom pretty much alluded to it like you know it, it's not enough for some counties and the worst thing is if we got some charter where all county teams agreed to only four sessions a week you know what, absolutely what will happen. Some teams will start doing it on the slide and then absolutely. the other teams will think we're losing out here. So, But you, yeah. you, can, you, you, you can address that though, Niall. That, and and that's, that's the only issue that I would have with all of this. I think the, G, I think the GPA, just one mistake I think that it made, I wouldn't have withdrawn from talks. I think that's very, yeah. this isn't Ukraine and Russia. This isn't Israel, Palestine, you know. This is, a, to my mind, is a fixable problem. So withdrawing from talks is... Um, that, to my mind, is counterproductive and self-defeating. I wouldn't have done that. But what I would do is, look, if the GAA are saying it's a maximum of four. Now, look, what they've also said to be fair here, they can, they're saying fill your boots on training, but it's only up to four that we are going to sub-bend. After that, if you want to have 10, fill, drive on. But that's a local arrangement that you're going to have to make with your own county board. Now, if I was the GPA, what I would say is, okay, if they only want us training four times a week, the GPA have the ability to bring a motion to Congress, right? They have um, a seat at, the, at that particular table. So my, there will be a special Congress in October because there's a bit of a mess around the underage situation yeah. at the moment in terms of minor, under 17, under 19, and under 20, and all of that. <clears throat> so there will be a, a special Congress in September. So a simple card to play from the GPA's point of view is, Rand, we'll sign up on a 
rollover situation for 2022, we're going to bring a motion to Congress whereby we want to put in rule that it's a maximum of four training sessions per week. And we want penalties included because when you bring something in in rule, you have to have the, the subsequent penalties where county boards will be initially fined and you make the fine a really substantial one. Then you'll have home advantage removed if you're caught a second time going above the going above the four training sessions allotment. Then you actually go even further and expulsion from competitions or losing of, uh, you know, or whatever the case may be. So you put the ball back into the GAA's court and you say, OK, you want us only training four times a week. Let's put this in rule and see if. They, yeah. if they if they're prepared to put their money then where their mouth is yeah. mm -hmm. but if 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 that goes to congress and fails then the gpa have a fantastic stick to beat yeah. the administration with and say well hang on a second yes you're telling us on one hand you want us to only train four times a week when we try to put this in rule you yeah. all voted it down yeah, wouldn't. yeah. it could work for them yeah um, it's good um, Pat, I, I'm I'm almost surprised. Like you are, you are, I would say, relatively rare in a former player of the pre-GPA um, era that I've ever heard really support something the GPA has done. I'm not trying to be funny, but there, there, there is a there is there's an, a there seems to be an impression out there that only really members of the GPA ever really get behind what the GPA wants, and it's kind of an interesting phenomenon because these are the players we all support. And we talk about them here every week for hours on end and we watch, we read and we consume what they do. But when they actually campaign for something to improve their terms and conditions, and it's never anything too outlandish, the support is often not there from the public and quite virulently not there. Yeah, I, I, you know, if you asked me that question two years ago, five years ago, I, I'd have been giving you a, a completely different different answer Mikey uh, I just felt that the GPA's cause over in the early years or for many years wasn't helped by this by some of the spokespeople that they had out there I just felt that they antagonized rather than rather than a seat sought compromise or sought it, to bring they the probably had them. to do a bit of that perhaps to start to to to, to start to establish themselves to yes be fair though, Pat. but but I do see now you know maybe it's because like I have nephews involved in the Kerry setup, the club lads from here are involved in the Kerry setup. I now know from my son with Sligo, but what I see is how well looked after they are, or how well looked after, and how scientific the preparation is, and how uh, there is no danger of overload. There's no danger of overtraining. There's no danger. You know, their player welfare. They are really looked after very well, uh, and I think you know in this case when they're looking for. If their players out of pocket, if their players not being paid expenses, well, then that is wrong. And I, I do, I, I do feel sorry. Yes, you're right. We 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 do give lip service to to players, and that's great, and they're amateurs, and they do this. But they are parking their life. They're putting their lives on hold for the honour and glory of representing uh, their county jersey. And when when they have an issue and they and they have a problem, yes, in the past we have turned our backs to them and we haven't supported them. And I think they deserve. They, they deserve support. And in this case, I do think they deserve a bit of respect. And I agree with what Rory is coming from. There is certainly that issue around the four training sessions and all that. There is a, put, it rule, a of, put it in rule, yeah, Pat. Yeah, put it in the rule. Put it in the rule book. And let's see, let's, yeah. let's see the cut of your jib then. 
yeah, there's a need for a lot of discussion around that. All right, there's no doubt about it. But but I, I I'm with the GP on this. Okay, the only well, thing about that, Rory, the only issue I'd have with that is we saw a county sighted during COVID and it was as random as it comes. If a photographer happened to be walking past or someone with a camera phone, like the amount of counties that train doing the same thing and got away with it. So it's just a selective punishment to that. Like teams were getting punished, whereas the dogs in the street knew that every other team were doing the exact same thing. And I suppose that's the risk you take if you're breaking the rules and you're caught, I suppose you, but if the, you can't if the, have too much complaints, but it's just I can I can guarantee you, Niall, if the penalty for a county board is severe enough, nobody will break the rule. If the penalty is 200 euro, right? Ah, sure, yeah. drive on, lads. Do you know? If the penalty is five grand or 10 grand, well, then it's a different kettle of fish. Loss of a home league game, etc. Yeah. Et yeah. Well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll follow developments this week. It'll be interesting to see if the GPA do actually go to the mattresses in the union sense. And uh, we'll talk about that more on Thursday when we'll preview our last proper double league weekend of the year. Uh, Pat, thank you. Niall, thank you. Rory, thank you. And we'll chat to you all on Thursday. Good luck. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! It's over the bar! Oh! Holy Moses!